Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. At other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at portablechurch.com. Hey, church planner, welcome to Hardcore Church Planting, and I'm your host, Peyton Jones. I am writing solo, but I have a guest with me. His name is Josh Carter. He is a church planter with the North American Mission Board up in the city of Portland, and it is very cool to have you on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Joy to be here. Well, I got a choo-choo train coming by, so it's going to whistle in our face in a minute here. (laughs) But uh, if you can ignore that, that is the signal, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, that we're about to go into the land of very real life, not make-believe. So let's talk about some very real-life stuff here. You are a church planner in the trenches in Portland, Oregon, where church planners go to be eaten alive, right? Church planners right. go there to die. So I want to talk. This is truly hardcore church planning today. And I want to talk to you. And you and I met at a uh, NAM or North American Mission Board, train the trainer. You were actually a trainer. Uh, you're being trained to be a trainer of church planners because uh, someone identified you and said, now that's a guy we want to reproduce. And so the first thing we like to do, Josh, is we like to hear, how did you come to faith? And forgive the buzzsaw in the background. Uh, hopefully that makes you feel at home in Oregon, like lumberjacking, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, it does. Uh, Absolutely, it does. Yeah, yeah. So I had a house flood, so they're cutting my tile. But uh, anyways, now that I've shared that special tidbit with you, um, share with us how you came to faith. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, for me, it goes back uh, years ago. I come from a broken home, so... Um, I think a lot of my early uh, experiences um, had to do with, um, you know, it really didn't affect me a, a lot as I thought. I got later and started looking back at life and um, how I'm broken of this song, how and even me into the ministry. But that, um, a part of it is when I moved my pastor and um, he owned the Hey, Josh. Josh, 
Hey, can you hear me? You there? Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hey, breaking for up. some reason, yeah, yeah for some reason, your connection it's really breaking up. Is it breaking up right now? No, it's better now. Better now. Better so now. Let's uh, let's go forward let's again. Try this. All okay. Right. All right. One more you time. You- Start from the beginning. From the top. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I think my story goes back. To, um, you know, uh, back to when I was little. I'm 35 now, but back to my teenage years, um, where uh, I come from a broken home and. Um, I think I think a lot of coming out of that uh, kind of environment has really affected not just my current life, even in ministry. I think, but um, really affected just my, my journey to Christ. And uh, I was coming out of the broken home. My, my grandparents raised us uh, in middle school and into high school. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor, so that had a huge part of um, I'd say my faith in, in watching a man who loved Jesus um, and. Um, you know, it wasn't one way in the house and one way in the pulpit. You know, he was a man of integrity and character and just oozed uh, Christ in his character. And so um, so in middle school, um, I was uh, when I received Christ and um, came to faith. Then um, I would say it was later on through uh, going back to high school, into into college and when seminary and those sort of things that really challenged my faith just because I. I grew up around seeing such a godly example, um, and um, even though I have a broken home, uh, God really blessed me with a, a man, uh, my grandfather, who discipled me for so many years. So um, I think that uh, uh, you know I don't have the story of uh, you know went to went to prison or anything like that and came out. Uh, um, praise God for that. But uh, I, I definitely have a story of of, of brokenness in my home, and um, uh, in, in a lot of ways um, lost in 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 because of sin in my. Uh, God put a man like my grandfather in my life to teach me the word and um, lead me to Christ and um, and still today has major effects on my life. So anyways. That's rad, man. I love to hear that. And uh, anyone who doesn't appreciate the fact that you were saved uh, from your family and that influence, yeah. and it's kind of weird. I got to be yeah. honest. That, that's, that's, you know, the older I get, and, and I'm a parent now, so it's all, it's all kind of changed up anyways, but. Man, mm-hmm. I did not get raised in the church, and I envied that so much from people. And think yeah. about it. Paul's number one guy, Paul's number one guy he poured into, knew the uh-huh. scriptures from his youth. And yeah. Paul was like, hey, that's a benefit, man. That is yeah. not a handicap. So, yeah. you know, very cool, man. So let's talk a little bit about how you got involved into this crazy little thing called church planting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a long story. Um, but... uh uh, you know, I think it goes back for me. Uh, I was pastor, started pastoring when I was 19. Um, so, and again, you look back, back before that, coming to Christ and just the man who mentored me for so many years, my grandfather. Um, I think um, God just early on, I, I've kind of sensed a call uh, to ministry um, pretty early and, um, you know, served in student ministry um, right out of high school and had a youth pastor that really, um, I'd say, mentored me as well. And so um, God used a lot tours to disciple me through felt called very early so I started pastoring as 19 22 um part of starting a church when i was 22 um great to me. Um, i was just young and naive and stupid and um i had learned and i was there about 18 months and um, my dad actually goes to that church um now which is a pretty cool story uh he's doing well and um then became a student pastor at a larger church and um in ministry and I was a, I was a 
in a thriving ministry in East Tennessee, a church called Tri-City Baptist Church. And um, man, God just did a, a incredible work. But I think it was during those seasons of things, something very, very good in my life is where God began to um, speak to me about uh, specifically the nation. So my wife and I thought we would end up in China as missionaries at one point. And, um, and that came because in, in, high, in high school ministry, we didn't do uh, high school camps. We did levels of mission. So our goal was, um, you know, as a ministry was how can we mobilize students to be the church um, around the around the world and basically use their gap years between high school and college uh, to at least a year somewhere internationally um, and being part of the kingdom. And so and so um, so we had those levels of missions. We had four levels in high school. And so my summers, literally my last few years of, of being a, a pastor there were spent traveling around the world. Um, doing mission work, visiting students, taking students around the world. And God just began to birth just in me, just um, a heart for the nation that, that uh, a heart that he has uh, for the nation. And so, um, so we, we always thought we'd want to, you know, that God, we, we wanted to be somewhere where there's a great need. We just thought that was going to be international. And, and uh, so we even thought about going to IMB, uh, international mission board at one point to China. And uh, my wife and I went several times and, um, but it's through that process uh, when God was stirring in us in a very, very good season of our life and good ministry time in our life that God brought a guy named Mike Lauren to um, Tri-Cities to be the senior pastor. And and um, he helped plant a church in Las Vegas called Hope Church with uh, Pastor Vance Pittman there. And um, and we just connected, man. Um, our hearts just mended towards mission and um, and specifically toward the West Coast as he began to tell stories about the West. And and so I can't tell you that whole thing, that whole you know, kind of, um, journey, but, um, but God definitely, um, used relationships to drive me, um, towards the West and, um, and seeing the need in the West, on the West coast, which is much different than how I grew up, say in the South. And so, um, that's, that's first kind of how it started. And so we went, we were, I think my wife and I, we, um, we we're probably might be the only first, first planters and maybe went to what was called the launch network at the time, which is now NAM North American mission board. And, uh, we, knew Mac Lake and those guys and, and got to know them. And we went to launch training, um, to assessment, not really even know if we want to plant a church. We want to tell somebody, we told, we were actually wanting somebody to tell us not to do it. Um, and we basically went to say, Hey, interview us and tell us if we're like a good candidate for this or not. <laughs> and so my wife will even tell you, she didn't even know like two weeks before we went, like really, what are we going to? And, um, so that was kind of our, our journey into that. And so the assessment went really well. And, Man, just saw so many like I guess you could say giftings and just things that that were us in regard to planting and and um, God used the relationships. God used His Word. I could tell you moments just in the scriptures where God would just continue to speak to me. But there was this one passage I got to share this. There's one passage that just kind of drove me kind of over the threshold into this idea that okay, we were going to go plant. Um, it was uh, Acts twenty twenty four, and in that passage it says, uh, "To me, my life would be counted worthless." unless I use it to fulfill a call on my life of telling a wonderful grace of God. And it was that passage that drove me to realize that, you know, in Christ, my life's not worthless, but to me, my life would be not well spent if I did not step out in places that of great need. And, um, push me to it, man, in relationships and, um, God's word and body of Christ and seek counsel with other brothers and sisters that just kept driving it. I mean, it's kept driving us to that, and we ended up one um, that happened like April, by October that year. We ended up in Las Vegas here at with Hope Church there, and still didn't know where we were going. And now we've been Portland. We're in Portland three years now. So, 
Well, tell us a little bit about Portland. For people that don't know Portland and what Portland's like, Um, obviously, you know, some people probably know that the famous picture of Darth Vader unicycling (laughs) in a kilt with flames coming out of his bagpipes is a Portland phenomenon. Um, and, and there's the (laughs) Portland weird movement. Of course, there's Uh voodoo donuts. Um, there's lots of things that uh, Portland's known for, but it's known for not really being a place that's church friendly. Wouldn't you say? No, yeah. So that's it's, it's, that's how they recruit you here. Is they say, "Hey, this is a church planting graveyard. You should come." Um, that, that sounds really fun, and uh, it really is. Though um, you know, the percentages of churches that make it here are um, it's very very low, and that's just not guys that just parachute in like ourselves. That's that's Northwest guys. You know, um, uh, we have a church that we attended when we first moved up here. Um, that been going about ten years, and they'll they'll like they'll close the doors October the eighth. Um, you know, so you see this so, you know, frequent up here. Um, uh, and I think a large part of it is, is it's not because people are not um, nice. Um, I mean, some of the nicest people here. Uh, we love our city and love our people. Um, I think the issue is, is it's a it's just a cultural kind of worldview in which they grow up. Uh, once you grew up here, I mean, it's, it's you know, Peyton, you probably played Oregon Trails when you were little, right? Um and uh, I think it's no, kind of like that. Did, man. Yeah, I know you like, did. It was the, like, <laughs> no joke, literally the first computer game I ever played. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, people are like, it's Pioneer, man. Like, so it's that, you know, you've, you've kind of, um, you, you've education and, and doing good and very progressive. And we've kind of come to another level of, of understanding. And it's that very individualism, uh, individualistic mentality here. Um, that really drives uh, the Northwest. I think if you get west of the Rocky Mountains, really, it's just a different ballgame. And um, I, I claim it's very European uh, in, in not just politics, but in culture. And, um, you know, so tolerance is God. Um, I think the best way to explain Portland, Oregon is go read Romans 1. You know, it says when man suppresses truth, um, it says it lists all the vile things man will do, which is, you know, keep Portland weird for sure. Um uh, it says that they'll worship the creation of the creator. So I think people are very spiritual, you know, and, and um, it's just they're worshiping a lot of different things, including creation and, and um, tolerance and um, not, not a lover of truth at all. So I think that's just the reality. That's the dominant culture. And um, it's a little different than how I grew up, you know, and um, the churches just don't tend to, to do very well here because of that. So. Very cool. Well, tell us your, your church playing story. I mean, what is your, oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if you can hear my buzzsaw, but again, Oregon trees, you know, lumberjacks. I'm a lumberjack and I'm Great okay. Time. Thanks. Yeah. I, I works all night and I sleeps all day. Um, I won't, <laughs> I won't, I won't complete that song by Monty Python because it will be used as a sound bite by Pete Mitchell, I guarantee. But, uh, but anyways, <laughs> So tell me, um, so tell me the story of your church plant, man. So tell what what happened. So you got to yeah. Portland, and boom, what mm-hmm. what was next? Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, I don't. Again, I don't know what much people know about Northwest, but you know, it rains about three hundred days a year here. So uh, of course, when we got here, it was uh, it was towards the end of summer, so we got to see some sunlight before the the winter hit. So that was a good thing. But um, you know, I think when we got here, you know, a lot of our, I guess, uh, training or time that in Vegas when we were there it was so beneficial for us is just around this concept of um, kingdom 
disciple making. So we call we call it KDSC Kingdom Disciple Society Church. And um, the idea of that is that if 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 Jesus said seek the kingdom first and make disciples and that he builds the church, then our goal coming here was if we focus on starting a church, meaning a gathering, a, 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 even a even a Bible study, um, if, we, if we start focusing on trying to get people to come to something, um, the, the statistics were so far against us in making it that way. Hey, we're actually going to maybe <laughs> in a way we're going to try to live this theory, this 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 biblical missiology of what's what's the kingdom of God? What does it mean to make disciples and just trust God with his church? And that way, hey, if we don't make it, and we walk away. At least we get to see God change people's lives and made some disciples. And, um, you know, and we were a part of that. So I almost felt like we had to come here with almost more like international missionary mentality than I than I feel like a North American church planter. And right. um and so that so that was like a theory for me. So when we got here, man, my first year and a half, and a lot of people were pushing me. I remember just saying, "Hey, so when are you going to launch? You know, when are you going to launch?" Which is nothing against that, man. To be honest with you, like I remember the first time my wife and I went back to the south to one of our partners and sat in their service, and we cried cried like babies because like we loved the service. <laughs> like it was so good just to like sing again. Um, and uh, so we, I think when I got here though, I realized like, man, like. I'm going to have to learn to make disciples. And when I realize that crap, I'm going to have to, I can't just depend on people coming to church here. That really scared the crap out of me because I, I'm being honest. Like I was in church of 1500 and a church of almost 3000 I hope, you know, like most of my ministry, I've never been a part of like, how do you go and how, how do you go to reach people who aren't like two steps away from Christ, but are like 10 steps away, have know nothing about Christ, you know? And by the way, are, are smarter than me. You know, have very educated people, and so, um, you know, how do you even how do you even do that? And then get a church sustained in three years. So, a lot of it, man, was okay. I'm going to trust God's way of starting a church. I'm going to trust His way. And so, I started meeting, man. Like I was having two, three, four meetings a week. Uh, not a week. I'm sorry, two, three, four meetings a day with people, and just saying, hey, you know, who do you know that I need to know? Some of these were Christians. Some of these weren't. I was looking for. Um, I always say God does the greatest work in the tensions of people's lives. He does in my life. You know, that's one of the greatest growth I've ever had is when I'm, there's tension in my life where I got to depend on God. And um, so a lot of it was just looking for needs, like even like conversations in our neighborhood, you know, finding what were struggles for people and how I could step into those and meet needs. And um, I, I sent an email out to um, schools in about two to three mile radius from my house principals just to see who would reach back out. And, and I would sit down with principals and, you know, I call it calling the gorilla out of the cage. You know, I've heard Andy Stanley say it before, call the gorilla out of the cage. Like, I knew they didn't trust me, so I wasn't going to allow them the opportunity to not trust me. So I would just walk into the room and say, listen, I wouldn't trust me either. You know, I wouldn't trust me. You don't know me, but let me prove it over time. And I'd always say, tell me what your top three dreams are. And uh, and so I started making lists of, like, needs, like, within the schools, uh, within anybody that would open their heart to me, a neighbor. Um, and what were ways that I could step into some of those needs um, and ultimately share not just the love of Christ, but the word of Christ. And, and, um, when they were asked, they would ask me questions, you know, based on, uh, what I think about something. And so a lot of it was that net, I was almost like networking. I saw myself almost like community developer and meeting needs way more than I did. I'm starting a church, if that makes sense. And, um, yeah, and it then, does. Tell, you know, tell me, so what did that look like? I mean, what kind of things did you end up doing? And, yeah. you know, okay, this is all I'm going to ask you, like, yeah. You know, your church, how big was your core team when you started? 
so we had four families that moved from Tennessee, but they didn't move out here at one time. Okay. So, um, and then so it was how pretty, many yeah. people, because I know your story, right? Like I know you, I know that your church has grown primarily through conversion yeah. growth. Yeah. I'm not into numbers. Anyone who knows yeah, sure. about, about me knows this, but tell me yeah. what your church is doing right now. What, like, what's yeah. it running? Right, right. Now. So we're around a hundred people. Okay. Right around a hundred people, um, right now. And, and, and people yep. have to understand, people have to understand. That's huge in Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like when I, you know, there's, there's church planning metrics that when, when you change, like when you shift geography. So I would tell people, I would say, Hey, our church in Wales was 125 people. What people don't realize that's a mega church. No, for sure. This church in Wales is the one that was planted outside of Lloyd Jones's. Now I had a hand in that. I wasn't the lead planter on that at all. It was yep. more like the evangelist, more like yep. an itinerant. What what happened was that one is around 400. This is huge. And yeah. Yeah. That 400 people right there is like, um, how do I put it? Um, <laughs> that That's unthinkable. But like it's 125 yeah. would, yeah, that'd be like a 10,000 person church. 125 yeah, yeah. would be like 2,000 people. So yeah. you have to understand the context of where you're at. It, it it's impressive. A hundred people in Portland is impressive. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't. And it's, I have to keep reminding myself of that. And that's why even when we had team members move out, I mean, I would tell any planter that comes here is that because I mean, a lot of people are like, "Well, gosh, you had like four families." I'm like, "Yeah, but you don't understand. Like, when you take four families from a context where um, the worldview is is church, even if you don't, you know, I used to have these like, even if you don't go to church." it's respected, you know, in a lot right. of cultures around America. Right. So, so like you, you might not go to church, but once you have kids, you're like, you know, what? I should probably get them all around church morally. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's a good thing. Well here, that's like, it's not even like a thought. Like you don't, people don't wake up and think, hey, I should go try a church. Like that's just right. not, not in the concept. So, so what happens is, is when you take four families from Tennessee, now it almost, although they've been awesome, they also have to, oh, I call it detox. Right. Because now it's like, oh crap, they've got to make disciples too. Um, and I think the problem is, is now you've got such a large learning curve to even learn how to do that when you've never done it. When church has always been about bringing people into it, it it's always been about, you know, you, when you live a lifestyle of that, now you've got to start look, you know, having conversations and, and looking to disciple people outside of church. So like when we first started, even with our core team, I would say, I, I call it, don't go church on people. So right, right. we didn't, we didn't invite people into stuff. like. People would have gotten understand, like, you have something in your house and you don't invite people to it. And I'm like, because I'm trying, if I don't mobilize people to make disciples outside of a gathering, we're shot. Right. So, so I was having to detox people, man. And, um, and we still are. I mean, I've been here three years. I still think I'm detoxing. Um, and, uh, because I get back to that too. I look at 100 people and I'm thinking, dang, we should be like 400 people. Right. You know? And so I get it. I mean, it's really hard for people to really understand that. Um, but it's, it's so true. I mean, a large ship here is 250. You know, that's a good church. Now, bigger churches, yeah, but they've been here forever. Right. You know, one of the largest churches in Portland, which we love them. I mean, I mean that's something I love about Portland is most because most of them fail. When I, forgot, when I got here, all the pastors have been so awesome. Man, it's, right. such, a, it's such a city-minded thing. But I, sometimes I think it's because they're so, awesome, they're so nice. It's because they know that it's going to beat the crap out of us. Yeah. And so they just feel bad for you. They're like, yeah, that guy's another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and, time. uh, but I think that, um, you know, one of the largest churches in our, our city, you know, um, you know, started with about 300 college students that came out of an existing church. Like that's different. 
than parachuting in, you know, and having nothing. Um, and then to think that, you know, try to detox, learn how to really make this completely different lifestyle to reach people. Um, and try to move something to become sustainable in three years is like, you're not going to find it up here. That just right. doesn't exist. And, um, so, you know, I think that causes, causes some barriers for us. And, um, so I spent time kind of in multiple worlds. And if, I think if you're, if you can't do this, you, you can't plant here is I had to, I had to detox the ones that come from a church background and I had to start lifestyle of, of reaching and trying to disciple people that maybe never come to a church and hoping that somehow that would translate to church. And then I had to start meeting these needs in the community and looking for opportunities to build long-term, a long-term foothold. Right. People that don't believe the same thing I believe, but give me an example of, where that happened, like you know, I'll give you. Oh yeah, I'll give you a school for example. Okay, so one of the I had I probably sent an email to maybe ten ten principals. I had two that reached back out to me. Okay, the first one reached back out to me, who's not even the principal of the school anymore. Um, one of his top dreams was he wanted this like um, this garden for their school thing, and he said, yeah, it's it's lower on the totem pole for you know on priorities for the district, but it's a, something that we could really use for our school. And here's why. I told me his whole dream. And it was kind of one of those moments, man, where like, I know this sounds maybe elementary, but for me coming from where I come from, I, I didn't really know how to practice it was you just listen to the spirit in a conversation and I'm listening to the spirit and it's like, I should do that one. Now I know nothing about gardening or building, but I had partners. So I said, I said, we'll do it. So I left that day, got on the phone call, like got it, started calling partners saying, give me anybody, you know, that knows how to like build a garden or, you know, right. or, or do something like that. So I was starting to feed those needs. Well, and then what happening was, this is crazy, we start building this garden out because we sought the good of that community. Well, that principal talked to the, the high school across the street, just in bypassing with a principal there named Principal John. Um, he uh, got word, and he remembered my email, but he had not responded yet. But because we were meeting needs there, he saw that, remembered my email, writes me. I have a meeting with him. It's like a 30-second conversation with him. Again, I call the grill in the room. I wouldn't trust me either. What's your dreams? Blah, blah, blah. He, uh, I give him a card, and I always tell the principals, I said, uh, I said, hey, when you're sitting in your office one day and you've got a big need and you have no clue what to do with it, I want my name on your wall. I want you to remember me. And, uh, and so he called me one day, and, and uh, he said, hey, um, I had like a 30-second conversation with this guy. He, he was the second largest high school in Oregon. He calls me one day and says, hey, man, I'm starting this community board. I want you to be on it. And I'm like, what? You know, well, how'd that come? Because we saw the need of another school, conversations happened. Now, this thing goes deeper. I go into this community, this community board meeting one day, which I'm now on. And by the way, we've gotten a huge award from the district uh, since then. And uh, I'm on this board, and there's this lady on the board who long term ended up coming to our church for, for a season uh, a few times. And uh, the reason why she came, she came one Sunday, she said, because she watched us for so long, do so much in the community. She's not a believer, but she just wanted to be a part of what we were talking about. And she didn't know what we were talking about. She just, she's like, I just want to be a part of whatever you're doing (laughs) because what you're doing is so community driven. The first time she ever came to church, she's, uh, Carrie's probably 50 years old and her husband's another principal at another school, which is crazy enough. She comes and, um, the reason she comes, she's searching because what happened was about three months before she met us or found about the garden, then I came on the community board. 
um, she was really struggling with attention in her life and she didn't know what to do with it. And so she was searching and a friend of her gave, gave her a Bible. And so when I came on that board meeting or on that set on that board at that high school, which came out of serving the need at the elementary school, um, when I sat down there in about March, she said that she believed that I, that God had sent me there to answer her questions for her. Right. And, and I mean, I can tell you multiple stories like this. So this lady's up coming. She has a moment. I'm, I'm even afraid to tell some of my, my friends, you know, but come out, come out of Southern Baptist world. And so, uh, of some things that happened, but she's literally driving down her car one day. And, and this is after our meeting with, when she tells me that God sent me there to answer her questions, she's driving on the road one day and says, uh, she hears God say, come to me. Um, um, you're, you're, you've always been mine. Mm. And she like pulls her car over, dude. She pulls her car over, receives Christ, like crazy, <laughs> crazy story. And like calls me, her husband's Japanese, not a believer, um, was very supportive of her being that way, which you'll you kind of find that up here is you don't get family units, you get individuals, but call that individualistic mentality. And man, I have multiple stories of stuff like that where just because we sought seeking the good of the community, looking for those disciplable conversations, seeking community development, God is just, man, like I, I've got a, a bucket full of stories where God's um, made things happen, you know? Man, so I would love to hear those, but uh, we're <laughs> out of time. So uh, oh the saw is telling me it's time and the train will be here to take us back to make believe land. But yeah, uh, it, it, real quick, I, I yeah. have a question. Um, it, we, we always ask this question at the end of every podcast. And uh, I want to ask you, this question because, uh, particularly you're up in Portland and, um, you know, it, I know it's more of like a pacifist place, but if yeah. you and JD Payne were to get in a physical fist fight, hey, see, I've tried to match you up against someone who might be your equal. If you <laughs> and JD Payne got into a physical fist fight, who would win? Um, Totally him, man. I, the only fight I ever was ever almost in middle school, I uh, I ran from. I literally ran, and I think I told him I was to change schools too. So you did. I, I left school early. I did, bro. I did. I'm a wimp, man. I don't do pain. So I don't exercise very much. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I love that. I love the fact that you're um you're honest, yeah. and I love the fact that you ran. You know, it, it's funny because in my yeah. book, Reaching the Unreached, that that's the lesson. That I learned when the rugby yeah. player, um, I open up with, uh, <laughs> open the book with a rugby player literally beating my head into the pavement uh, yeah. until I was yeah. unconscious. And, um, yeah. and I say, you know, hey man, some of your best lessons are learned the hard way. So, uh, the lesson I learned was run yeah. and, you know, next time yeah. run. So, you know, uh, I, I gotta say you, that's wisdom talking right there, brother. Um, you don't yeah, get your man. head beat in to learn the value of that lesson, and you had some preemptive. <laughs> so true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, this has been hardcore church planning. I could have spent a lot more time talking with you, Josh, hearing those stories. Yeah, but God is alive and well, and He's doing something in Portland, Oregon. If people want to get in in touch with you or even check out your church, what's the website of your church? Yeah, church uh, is uh, Remedy. R-E-M-E-D-Y-C-I-T-Y-P-D-X.O-R-G. Remedycitypdx.org. All right. And uh, if they want to get in touch with you, Josh, and pick your brain a bit, how do they get in touch with you? 
Yeah, uh, they can it can go online to our website there. Uh, click contact, get a hold of me, or you can just email me at Josh at RemedyCityPDX.org. All so. right. Well, hey guys, our guest has been Josh Carter from Remedy City in Portland, Oregon, and you've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Remember, Arnold, tell them what they should remember. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.